Welcome to the Talking With Tech Podcast. My name is Chris Bouvet, and I'm here as always with... Rachel Madel. Hey, Chris. How's it going, Rachel? It's good, kind of. Oh, <laughs> I have a story to on? share. I have a story yeah. to share. <laughs> okay. I picked up a new case. Um, this is a family who has a child who has multiple disabilities, um, autistic, and has some, you know, other kind of things going on with genetics, uh, genetic syndrome, me type of things. So this is a complex case. Family comes to me saying, we really want to do AAC. We're not really sure, you know, what's been happening because we've introduced it. We, he's had, you know, different AAC systems trialed for the last five years. He's had access to different kinds of apps and devices, but nothing is really sticking and nothing seems to be working, but we know that he has a lot of potential to communicate. And so we know that you are the place to go for AAC. So here we are. So I read a lot of the the reports before I do this consultation. Wait, I just want to pause. So We've tried five different types of helicopters, but he's not flying yet. Is that correct? Correct, correct Chris. <laughs> um, so essentially I do my due diligence and far as far as reading the documentation that I have on this student. Um, so I have an AAC assessment I'm looking at. I have a speech and language assessment from the school. So the AAC assessment was done outside of uh, school. <clears throat> and I'm reading through this report and there's something that really hit me, Chris, and it really like grinded my gears. <laughs> got under your skin, grinded your gears. Okay. So essentially after doing a lot of trialing with different high-tech robust systems, this SLP uh, in the schools shared in this report um, that, you know, after five years of having access to high-tech AAC, it's her recommendation that they go to a light tech or paper-based uh, communication book, a static communication book. And <laughs> I really, it really got me because I'm like, why? Like, why on earth would we ever, ever, ever go backwards? And, you know, part of the rationale with this at least from this report was that um, he's not using the device functionally. I'll put that in air quotes. He's not using the device functionally. He's holding the device up to his eyes. By the way, he has a visual impairment. <laughs> it's a very normal thing to see kids do who have visual impairment. Um, he's hitting the buttons randomly. He's distracting the class. You know, we've all heard these things as reasons that some people use to say that high tech robust AAC is not the answer, right? So I go into this consultation anticipating that I was going to see some exploration of the device and, you know, all of these things. Um, you know, maybe he's going to hold it up. Maybe he's not as responsive to modeling, all these things. I, I go in still knowing though, it doesn't really matter what he does in this exact moment, but like we can teach him how to be more intentional with communication. We can teach him, you know, when he says something, we attribute meaning to that. We can, you know, figure out if perhaps he needs something for his visual impairment, like high contrast symbols or a key guard or, you know, so I'm going into it thinking all these things. When I met this student, Chris, he blew me away with how much communication he actually has. And he's had to compensate for lack of language um, because of this whole mess with AAC for the last five years. Um, he was pointing, he was looking, he was smiling, he was signing, he was approximating, he was able to navigate a system after we modeled it. Um, he said, spontaneously said the word blue, which is his favorite color. And it just really... It really gets me, Chris, because this student has so much communication, has so much potential with the right types of supports and the right type of beliefs that the student has the potential to learn how to communicate. And we're, the family is in a situation where they're now fighting their you know, school district and saying, OK, well, we disagree. We disagree with this recommendation to go back to a static communication board. And so 
I just wanted to share it on the podcast because I feel like if I keep running into professionals that are making these types of recommendations, that tells me that I need to keep sharing these stories and dispelling these myths around, you know, what we should be doing in situations like this, uh, for students. And also, you know, it's not the tool, it's the support around the tool, right? Right. Like kids will learn whatever tool we put in front of them. So, you know, it's really on us to figure out ways to support them and help them, you know, learn language in order to communicate successfully. Mm -hmm. So a couple of things. So, you know, the image that's uh, implanted in the front of my brain right now of the story you're sharing, right? It's um, when we do our presentations together, there's this slide that is <laughs> a joke that we often share is, um, this is my favorite slide. We have like nine of those, 10 of those. <laughs> there's, yeah. This is one of my favorite slides. And it's this image from Wiley Inc. at earthlink.net um, who created this image of all of these people walking uh through to her on a road and they get to a sign and the sign has an arrow pointing to the left and an arrow pointing to the right. And underneath both of those arrows is the word answers. <laughs> and the arrow to the left says simple, but wrong. And the arrow to the right says complex, but right. And all the people, uh, sorry, not all, the vast majority of people are going off to the left, following the simple, but wrong and jumping off a cliff. It's just the masses jumping off the cliff. And we have a little arrow that says, change the app. Like they've tried five different apps. So, you know, well, simple, but wrong. Let's keep changing the app. What's more complex, but right. And on this image, it's this winding road up a path with like four people on this path, but they're all reading and doing research and they're doing work uh, to, to learn and do better. They're changing and really that we have an arrow pointing, change the instruction. And that is what you're getting at here is they've tried five different helicopters. The kid isn't flying. They've tried five different apps and they've never once turned the spotlight back on them and said, what are we doing wrong? Instead, it's sort of a blame game with the kid. What can we do differently? What does that instruction look like differently? And which means, let me throw it back to you, Rachel, because I know you've had success here with other school districts where they have maybe hired you to come in and do some training. And I know in our of the woods we're doing training and coaching we are certainly trying to change the instruction absolutely um i ended up having a meeting so once i met this kid i was like oh my gosh like i already knew that this report wasn't great and i already knew that i disagreed with it and that we could do something totally different and supportive and believing in you know this child's potential to learn how to use aac for communication but then the question becomes okay now how do i help support this child at school? And like, how do I help change those limiting beliefs and, you know, figure out a way to get in there. And so before this IEP meeting, I'm like, can I get a meeting with this SLP? Like, can we come together and try to have some conversations? Um, the meeting was interesting. Uh, you know, I always try to lead with curiosity and asking more questions, because I think that that helps me understand better what's going on. Um, I also acknowledge that the way that, you know, students show up at school might be different than the way they show up at home. Um, But, you know, I had a sense that there was a lot of things that we could shift and tweak to do differently. Um, Even just with our perspective of, you know, saying that the student was only using the device. And I put this, you know, this is, this is quotes from the report. Uh, He engages with it as a toy rather than a communication device, but while also saying that he can use it to talk about the weather. And I'm like, okay, so we already, we actually have proof that with something that's repetitive every day, we talk about the weather in class, like he's able to independently talk about the weather. So it can't be, he uses it as a toy, but he also has learned how to communicate about the weather, right? Like it can't be those two things at the same time. It just shows that like with enough modeling and repetition and routine, he's able to learn how to use it effectively. So how can we take other situations that he's motivated by and teach him with repetition and routine, how to communicate successfully? Um, 
So it's just like a lot of question asking and then following up with more questions, um, you know, but it definitely wasn't an easy conversation. And there was a lot of pushback with um, some of my recommendations and some of my ideas and some of my questions were really hard to answer, which, you know, we've talked about in the past, Chris, like if you're if you're in a situation where someone doesn't agree with you or you don't agree with them the best way out of that situation is by asking the right questions um, because you'll ask questions that are hard to answer that can hopefully inspire people to start reflecting on what they're doing and why they're doing it that way. Um, you know, may not happen in the moment in the conversation, but hopefully it sparks some thought and reflection around what they're doing and how potentially they could be doing it differently. So what do you think comes next for this, for this situation? It's a great question. I mean, I like feel very strongly and I spoke with the family about this that like absolutely not <laughs> to the communication board that's static, um, especially given what I saw during my assessment. But it didn't it didn't even matter what I saw during my assessment. Like we need to just believe that high tech, robust AAC is possible and help support the student in all the ways you know, that the student needs to be successful. Um, and that could mean, you know, using vocabulary builder, the student now has a, a system that's uh, an accent system with unity. Um, let's use vocabulary builder and see if we can get more, you know, intention and accuracy. I put that in air quotes because it's like, you know, can we just respond to what he's saying, right? Can we just respond to the things that he's saying and shape that into meaningful communication opportunities? Um, you know, but there's things that we can tweak and play around with to help him be, you know, more successful in the eyes of school. Um, and so I have a therapist that's going to be working with him regularly in the home. I'm going to be doing parent coaching and I'm hoping that I can get some time to actually collaborate with the school more um, to help support what's happening at school and hopefully sharing some, some strategies and things that can be helpful and successful in the classroom, um, kind of alongside of what we're doing at home. Yeah. I hope so too, because it'd be fighting, it'd be swimming upstream without their support. Right. I mean, not saying you can't swim upstream, you know, you're going to have to, but, uh, um, if they could be supportive and get on board with some of these, and I guess, uh, you're going to see instances where he shows these sort of to them it'll look like miracles, right? Oh my gosh, I I wouldn't. I'm sure they'll say I never would have thought he could do that with mm -hmm. the therapist you're working with. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, that's exactly it. What if you just thought he could do that? Then we wouldn't have to prove it to you, right? Yes, but since we have to, I'll take a video and I'll prove it to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, um, uh, I think it's great that this student is actually this learner is actually going to um have a chance because otherwise without uh, this involvement in this situation, then it, th that the chances are uh, a lot uh, thinner until later on in his life. Yeah. I mean, I think that just like you said, what if we just believed that he was, you know, capable of learning how to use this communication device? Like, what if we just believe that? <laughs> Shouldn't we just believe it? <laughs> And I believe that educational team can change. They'll learn that right now their deals, their heels are dug in and who's this outside person? She's not in the classroom. How could she possibly know? And they can change. They can grow. They can learn. They will, they will be someday. I, I know this team is going to be the greatest advocates for AAC. I believe it. That's why I'm putting on my optimism hat. I love it. You're manifesting it, Chris. <laughs> You're manifesting it into existence. Thank you. We're going to make it happen. Oh, Chris, before we head into the interview today, I have to shout out some of our Patreon members. We have a lot of new Patreon members. So if you guys haven't joined our Patreon, we would love to have you over there. Patreon.com backslash talking with tech. Uh, that's a way to support this podcast. If you love it and you listen to it, uh, we have a whole team of people behind us that help make this podcast possible. Luke, our podcast producer, Michaela, our audio engineer. Um, so those, those funds go to paying our team. Um, so we have Catherine, Lauren, Mary Therese, Candice, Dion, Amy, Nancy, Dolee, Monica, Stacy. It's a lot, Chris. We got a lot of new Patreon members. And Rachel, before we go, let me just mention some of the last couple of posts that are in our Patreon because you get some bonus content over there. Um, 
the, the last couple of things are a special shout out to the Science of Special Education podcast. I was a special guest on one of their podcast episodes, so that that's linked over there. There's a link to some 3D fidgets that you can print uh, working with uh, different educators that are saying, here, you can print your own 3D printed um fidget and then you can play with it and you can break it and you can uh, choose your own and choose a color you want. And so there's link to that. And then the one previous to that is the new feature that came out in immersive reader for Microsoft office called reading coach. So if you have a literacy focus, you got to check out reading coach. We have years of content in there, Chris, like so much content. I oftentimes will give some of my paid resources away for free in the Patreon. Um, so yeah, definitely. If you love the podcast, you're trying to learn more about AAC, you just can't get enough of us, uh, patreon.com backslash talking with tech. We would love for you guys to support us. So the rest of the episode is part two of my conversation with the team of educators working in West Virginia. Do you love this podcast? We would love for you to take a second and leave us a review on iTunes. That way more people can find this podcast and learn how to support individuals using AAC. We also love hearing from our listeners. It reminds us that all of the hard work we put into this podcast really matters. And don't forget to subscribe so you always know when we release new podcasts. Now let's head back into the episode. quick question i i am i was the one that was really not like leaning towards lamp because i feel like it's reinventing the wheel i mean we have unique learning which is primarily symbol sticks and symbols and i feel like and i just thought of this like why couldn't we make a core board with symbol sticks individualized to you know, our students through unique learning. And I don't know why I just thought of this, but I did. <laughs> but I feel like with LAMP, you're reteaching a, a, a language system that the students are not, I don't know if I'm looking at this wrong, but I feel like they, they know other forms of symbols. Sure. Right. Okay. Let's talk about that for a second. So we want someday for the kids to be able to say whatever they want to say, however they want to say it, right? Is that a fair, like before they leave Hancock, they're as close mm -hmm. to that as possible. Everyone yeah. agree? Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. So if we make some sort of our own sort of core board out of symbol sticks from or lesson picks or anything else, right? Um, fans of all of these tools, by the way, for instructional purposes, mm -hmm. um, what do we land on? We land on maybe 32 words on a, on a core board, maybe, you know what I mean? Like 40, whatever we decide at some point we're thinking they're going to get to thousands of words. Right. So right. if we say we had 32 words, let's just pick a core board that has, I don't know, I'm going to get it. Let's say 36, 36 words on a core board that we made. Where does the 37th word go? Like once they've learned those words, where does that next word go? You'd have to be like, well, geez, okay, on the back, okay, we get we get more space if we can get them teach them to flip it over. And then next question, where does the what did I say? What 36? 36 plus 36 mm. is, you know, yeah. 72. Did I if I yeah. did my math right? So where does the 73rd word go? Right. But these systems like Touch Chat, Lamp Words for Life, uh, ProLoquo, any of the robust systems, I don't have to list them all out. I it could, it could go on mm -hmm. forever. They have thousands of words program, programmed in already. So now you're just teaching um, where those where those words are. You know, gotcha. does that help? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm still thinking of tier one though, where we're just trying to get basic, you know, learning, and that's where I'm thinking. I I totally agree with them using. I want everybody to say what they want to say, but I, I'm just trying to think of a way. To where it would be easier but maybe i'm thinking wrong <laughs> maybe i'm well, not thinking. no you're not you're not thinking wrong you're exactly thinking through it right mm -hmm. so and that's exactly what we want to do mm -hmm. uh, is think through this and think okay well wouldn't that be easier so let me ask you about this uh remember when you became a typist right and you'd learn to type <laughs> on the qwerty keyboard right you didn't learn on an abc keyboard you learned right. on a qwerty keyboard and now 
you can make any word because you can combine them together, right? And you can do that really quickly because the buttons were always in the same spot. Yeah. And, and that is the idea behind any of these robust motor planning. AAC users tell us motor planning has helped me learn where the words are and has helped me get faster later. So it's not just get faster later, but where the words are and what they mean. So again, if we had some sort of 36 or 72 word core board, and then we go teach them later, oh, well, you can learn these words. They're in a different spot now. Oh, now I have to relearn that. Why can't I just learn it from the age two that it's in the same spot so I don't have to relearn it later? In the same way, I learned this from uh, Chris Klein, is a AAC user. He uses the analogy, Chris, when you learn to work, you say the word cat, your articulators, your tongue, your vo- your your jaw, your um, your your vocal cords, they all move in the same way. When you learn that age, cat, that word cat from age two until when I pass on at age 102, unless something happens to me that changes my articulators, I will be saying, I will be using the same motor plan the same way. It's like, so why don't you give uh, AAC users that same opportunity where the words are always in the same spot from a very early age? Again, what Joy was talking about, that cognitive, uh, uh, well, okay, that's even less cognitive stress for me now. I don't have to go searching for it and finding it from an an array. I learned where it is and I never have to relearn it. It's always there. Mm Mm-hmm. And every that robot system sense. has that. It's just how complex the motor plan is. Um, Chris, can I add something to that too? I think too, when you're really, when you're starting to learn where like the icons are on LAMP or wherever, whatever system you use, it is, I would say like overly, like cognitively, you use a lot of cognitive mm-hmm. at first when you're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Like right now it's really hard to find the icons where I feel like even on the core boards I've used and I'm still not super familiar with, I, I now I'm getting, it's getting a little bit faster to find them, but you know, it's a little overwhelming. I think at first, and I think we're concerned about, you know, getting people on board when it's really, really like difficult at first, you know? Christina, let me just comment on that because uh, you can hear me sort of laughing and smiling. That is so true. There's a mm-hmm. hill on any of these yeah. to learn it. There's no, mm-hmm. there is no, uh, there's, there's ways to make it faster with practice and doing some exercises and things like that. And do it, you know, having some professional learning around it can make that hill a little bit flatter, right? It doesn't have to be such a mountain, but then here's what you find, right? Someone gets really good on one particular system and then they start going too fast. You know, like, oh, I can model so fast. I know where these words are. I don't have to think about it. And then the kids don't see it because we want to be modeling for the kids. So it's like, whoa, it's not about you. It's great, Erica, that you know, and you're super fast on this system. (laughs) Slow down. The kids need to see it, right? So it becomes another problem on the back end of becoming too familiar. Joy, I would not worry about the, the, um, well, I'm going to learn one and I can't learn the other because really... What you want to focus on is the skill of modeling and the skill of descriptive teaching and the skill that is transcends any of the systems that you might learn. Uh, learning that system is really like you're going to learn it, whatever the system you choose, you're going to learn it. You'll learn little shortcuts. All of the systems have a search feature, so that'll help you get through it, right? Mm-hmm. And the skill that you really want your teachers to be practicing uh, and getting better at is modeling. They can get better at modeling if they know one system. And then once they're good at that, that, that uh, skill of modeling, when they get another system, you know, if this kid moves in and they're already, man, they're rocking and rolling on this thing. I never even heard of this system. What is it? It's called the wiggly wob. And I've never heard of the wiggly wob. How, well, I know how to model. I got my skills. I know how I'm good at modeling. I just got to learn where the words are on this thing, you know? Um, and that's, that's, I think what we're shooting for is to decrease that demand of, of needing to know all the systems, know one really well and get really good at modeling. And then you'll be able to do other systems as well. Yeah. And I, and I think kind of too, um, you know, we have a great special ed director and she's like, let's do this. Let's go. You know, she gives us the reins and we're going forward and she's up ahead saying, come on, get it going. You know, she doesn't, she doesn't put the brakes on us. We kind of put our own brakes on and um, I forget where I was going with this, but, um, but I, oh shoot, I had a good point. 
Oh, the focusing. Okay, so focusing on the modeling. I think we are, I think it's a journey from having access to independence. And so like when you were talking about teaching the fifth graders, like you use emojis, we can do this. You know, fifth graders, when they get independent, they're gonna run with it. They're gonna put in it, they're gonna program it themselves. You know, we're not gonna have to take on that um, stress because they're gonna take ownership of their vocabulary and their language. But right now we've got so many kids that they don't even have access to attempt to communicate. Right. And so modeling is in between there and we're still at the access level. We don't wanna stay there, but we've gotta get there and move past that before we can go to the next area. Mm -hmm. The other piece that I kinda of wanted to mention um, was, you know, I think you have to look at your students and their diagnoses. Like I'm not one, okay, they have CP, so this is what we do. Not like that, but an individual with CP, you know, they may want to communicate and can't and they're frustrated. But students with autism may never want to communicate. And I think we need to recognize that too. So a lot of the students in these self-contained rooms have autism and they may never want to do this and have no motivation whatsoever. And I don't want to not give them words. I want to give them access, but then they may never progress because they just want to sit in a corner and do their own thing by themselves. Like they want to be able to say, I want to drink or I'm hungry. But beyond that, they're happy with their little game by themselves. So you've got to look at who are we setting this up for and how far they really are going to go with it. So just to throw that out there, that diagnosis piece, kids with autism have difficulties with social and communication. Mm -hmm. That may not be their jam, um, but it might so, be for others. Couple, couple comments there, Joy. And you, you, I, I believe you to be spot on here, right? So what you're talking about when you're talking about the access, uh, I, in my mind, I put things in three buckets, picture a Venn diagram, the sweet spot mm -hmm. is the middle of these three circles, okay? Circle number one is tools. You, there's no way around it. AAC, you need you need tools, right? Mm -hmm. That's what AAC is, it's, it's a thing, right? Um, then you need some sort of training around that thing. Um, and that's the second circle. So the people that are meant to support the, the AAC user need to know what they're doing. And that focus could primarily be on modeling and instruction. What does instruction look like around this with a little bit of here's how the app works, right? Um, so tool, tools, training, and then a third component, which I won't get into so much here, but I'll just mention it. And that is coaching. Right. So I can know I got the training. I came, I watched the videos that Christina made. I listened to the podcast. I actually need to do it and fumble through it and make mistakes and have somebody go, okay, what'd you do there? Let's, let's get, let's get a little bit better here. How can you get better? Ah, you know what I did? I didn't wait long enough. That's what I didn't do. Or ah, I just kept barking orders at them with that thing. And that turned them off rather than I was just commenting on. And this brings me to the last point. So those three things are the vendor diagram, the secret sauce. You need all three, I think. Leaving out the coaching, which I think is what a lot of people do. You won't see the success if you can build in some time even if you start with just a handful of educators and go, let's try it in just these classrooms. You know, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe we start with just our preschool classrooms and start here for the 2024, 2025 school year, you know, um, and grow from there. And what if we coached even maybe a small subset of them uh, mm -hmm. so that we got training and we got some experience around coaching experience, but okay. Now I know how to model. And what I'm going to do with modeling is I'm going to just talk about what I'm doing and talk about what the student's doing and I'm going to do some direct instruction around that. Well, so Joy, this brings me to, to the point you're making about, um, let's say, a, a student, an autistic student who goes over and sits in the beanbag chair and you think, chances are, they'd be happy to sit in that beanbag chair forever. Of course, we don't give them the opportunity to just sit there forever. So we don't really know if that's the case. Mm -hmm. And what we probably have not done is sat next to them and just chatted. You know, I sit, oh. I'm tired, you know, and when you, people can't see, but I'm modeling on my fake communication device sitting next to them. Um, all right, uh, I go and I get up and I leave with no pressure on them to do a darn thing, just modeling for a while. No case, we, we're at school. We don't have time to just do that forever, right? We're, we're doing intervention, but just starting there with lowering the pressure and just putting them in an environment where language is used using AAC 
what impact might that have on them maybe learning to use it? And when they do choose to use it, it's their choice. They choose to use it. We've taught them. We've seen it. They've had they've had drops in the bucket to see how how this could work. Mm-hmm. And then combine that with a little direct instruction on, all right, let's talk about the word go. Let's talk about the word stop and not just go and stop, but going and stopping. Mm-hmm. And look, here's some images. Here's a video about it. Let's play. All right, let's play this fun game where we're going and we're stopping, you know, and we build an entire week long experience where you're putting drops in the go and stop and going and stopping and went and stopped bucket. And next week, we're going to do some more words, um, not forcing them making it fun, making it engaging, making it low stress. But that I, I just, I don't know your school district. I just can picture the classrooms though, that it is probably not that. It's probably compliance driven. All right, it's time to work. You got to do this. And if you do this, you get some iPad time and you can watch your video and you can go sit in the corner. Well, guess I would probably do the exact same thing as want to be. Nope. Yeah. I don't want to communicate here either. I don't, I'm out. I'm out. You're forcing me to do stuff I don't want to do. Um, and so if we change that entire experience environment, maybe mm-hmm. that, that the, their ability and, and the, 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 the words, maybe the motivation changes, you know, I don't know. Sure. Like shot, it. right? Yay. I think that's exciting. <laughs> you know, I think that's exciting, that potential. Yeah. That kind of leads to one of the questions that Bernie had given me um, yesterday because we knew she would be driving and we were kind of talking about Chris is there are some of the students that are a little bit older and do have the the iPad they love the iPads they love the iPads and and you know they're doing work to get the iPad and, and it, we've talked about doing like a dedicated um, device for you know with an app on it versus um, putting it on an iPad in the one-to-one um, you know, that they're already using for other programs, like educational programs. And I'd like to hear your kind of opinion on that. Okay. As a start, right. Let's take, let's just take any other student that does not have complex communication needs. Okay. They, ha- they have an iPad, right. Cause you mentioned it's a one-to-one initiative, right. Mm-hmm. And our neck yeah. of the woods, it's Chromebooks, right. But yeah. we, we also have one-to-one. Um, and so the, any other student, is working on their iPad in Google Docs or you know mm-hmm. Google Slides or whatever, can they turn to their friend and talk at the same time? Mm-hmm. So if that's mm-hmm. their opportunity, what opportunity should we give the AAC user? And if they're, yeah. so, so what that really means, Erica, you know what that means? <laughs> well, that's right. That's funding. I do. That's <laughs> not cheap. <laughs> No, it's not cheap, but getting past the mentality that you need it, that's actually the bigger barrier. Because once you decide you need it, now we go get the funding. We ask for it. Other other people that hold the purse strings above us, our school board and all that, let them deny it, right? And and that doesn't stop us. We keep asking every year and we go to our PTOs and we get grants and we get funding from other outside organizations. The money is out there. It's a whole different problem once we know we need the funds than, Mm -hmm. oh, I didn't know we needed those funds, right? And so let's get there first. Uh, Yeah, okay. We know what we need. This kid actually needs two devices, one to talk on and one to work on. You know, mm-hmm. now I think there'll be some AAC users listening to this podcast going, "Yeah, but Chris, I float between my my on my iPad. I actually do switch over to Google Docs." Well, yes, you've learned how to do that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, right. And and Chris, don't you aren't you familiar with iPads? Don't you know you can go with like split split screen? You know, you can mm-hmm. have one app on one side, and one app on the other, right? But can you guess why I'm not a fan of that for especially early learning? they're it's difficult to keep them yeah they're They're engaged yeah Yeah. (laughs) well it changes the motor plan too right now i gotta i can't imagine taking your qwerty keyboard and shrinking it down you've done it you've actually done it right well you learned how to type on a laptop or um some sort of larger keyboard and then you got a smartphone or probably you had buttons first and you had to really cognitively think through okay how do we do and you eventually got better but at first, that's a really big lift to have to move all the buttons around and shrink the motor plan. So, so for at starts, you don't. I don't think you really want to do that. You want to. Uh, it's a Bernadette's point uh, uh, that she made earlier. That's a place you can get to eventually. Is 
okay, now can we, can we, now that you're really familiar with this, can we, can we put two apps side by side? Can we, can we string or streamline it down to one app or to one device, you know? Um, but to start, I think you really need two devices that would mimic what anyone else has, you know, has access to, I mean, you know. And, and kind of on that note, my friend who has her daughter, she started with a device with LAMP that was big and dedicated just, I mean, and she would slide it on the floor and she crawled down the hall to talk to her dad through the door, like, come on, let's go to the fireworks. You know, you're, you're holding us up um, where she was honest and she's like, I didn't like it. I did not like the dedicated device. But now she's on her iPad and she can take it wherever, you know. Um, so there is like that's a family slash speech therapist point of view in that way. But yeah, you've got it, to it's got to be practical for that individual as well. And so that's the other piece. For sure. Hi, what other thoughts or questions do you have about this? Um, do you want to talk about data collection? Sure. What kind of questions? Yeah. But I think that like how, you know, suggestions on how data collection could be used to determine, well, first of all, when we were kind of talking about the, the uh, protocol for moving to, you know, a different um, application or to, you know, needing, you know, something else, how could we what's the best way or your suggestions for collecting data and then also too on just you know how successful the program is and whether you know um those type of things all right well i have a couple different thoughts here so so the first thought is something that i don't know that anyone's doing so you could be the pioneers here right and that mm -hmm. is uh one of the reasons let's bring it back to what we started at the beginning about the turnover rate right um one of the reasons we can't find any teachers or teachers are leaving is many, especially in special education, feel like they're wrangling behaviors, right? And uh, someone's getting a concussion or scratched or bit, right? And again, back to what we were talking about earlier, well, heck, if we change the environment a little bit, maybe those behaviors go down, right? But one thing you might be looking at is what if what's our baseline? How many behaviors, uh, mal let's call them maladaptive. I'm not sure I love that, that word, but you know what I mean, right? Some sort of, let's measure how many we have this year. As we implement these, this approach, are we going to see this decline? Can we make a goal around that on a systemic level? Not for necessarily an individual kid. I'm talking about, let's look at it from an entire county level. How many instances did we have? And is that on the decline or is that on the incline or is that just horizontal, right? Mm -hmm. That could be really powerful in getting more teachers involved and wanting to spend time on this who are experiencing burnout, another training I have to go to, Christina, you know, to be like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, this really is going to help me because my biggest barrier, the, the thing that that is... Um, scaring me is that I might get hurt and that behavior, the kids might get hurt and that, uh, and then I'm wrangling behavior. So let's, if that's the big elephant in the room, let's start measuring that so we can figure out how we can make that a smaller elephant. Does that. And, and it is, that was an essential, yeah. that was an essential component of all of our discussions was, mm -hmm. was behavior, you know, in all of our team meetings, we did circle back around to behavior over and over again, that we, that was one of our big reasons for, you know, really making this big push to, to implement this is because our hopes were that we, we really um, thought the behaviors would decrease as students had more functional communication. Yeah. I think, I think that's the case, Erica. I really mm -hmm. do. So to prove it, measure it right and, mm -hmm. then, and then look at how things how that number hasn't been impacted in ensuing years as you continue on mm -hmm. um second thing the same just throw it on the same list is the turnover rate well what are we experiencing in autism classroom autism teachers ecse uh, preschool teachers you know um are we seeing an incline or de decrease or increase because that's another thing that we're trying to tackle and change right so if they feel supported through i'm getting tools that i need i'm getting the training i need i'm getting the coaching i need i feel good about my job every day you know yes we want to throw more money at teachers but a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars isn't necessarily going to keep them in the job when every day they're coming home going oh do i have to go back there tomorrow you know what i mean um Okay, so 
all of that, none of that is related to the linguistic ability of the learners, which is really what I think you were getting at, Christina. Like, what's the data around their language? And so I'll tell you what we've done in our neck of the woods. So um, we looked at a bunch of different tools to look at uh, analyzing data, analyzing language abilities and um, on, a, on a whole. And none of the tools out there really felt like they met, met our needs. I mean, we looked at the communication matrix and that would be my choice for you. Like if you mm -hmm. go, go use the communication matrix, but a little pushback back that I've heard from teachers when I showed it to them was like, that's going to take forever to fill out. That's a yeah. long thing. And now I also come back and they, it's a kid's language for their life. Like maybe we spend yeah. a hot second, you know, doing the analysis, but still time is, is hard. And if you can't get teacher buy-in, you can't get teacher buy-in. So long story short, we developed our own system, our own tool called the COAL, the Continuum of Language Expression. We'll have it linked in the show notes. I can send you a link to it uh, after here. Essentially what it is is a Google Sheet where a bunch of us got together. We looked at language development, um, the, the norms of language development, and we put it in a in a early language development, we broke it down in really discrete ways because a lot of the standardized testing and a lot of the tools out there did not break it down in the discrete way we needed it to show the incremental growth. You know, it's like, do you know pronouns or do you not know pronouns? Well, we need a lot of stuff in between there to show that you're making growth. So that's why we um, developed this tool. So it's just a list. Uh, I say it's just a list. It's like a, yeah, it's a list of abilities. And then the educators meet and they look at these lists and they go, well, can a, can a student do that? Never. I've never seen him do that. Or sometimes I see him do that, or they do that almost all the time. They get scored. Eventually they, they, they get, um, they get to a place where they go, well, yeah, I, we, we can stop here. We're not seeing any of these abilities. And that gives them a, a, a place to start. Okay. They, we're, we're seeing the kid and it's somewhere around here. They're saying one word sometimes, and they're using it for this pragmatic function. So what's our goal? Let's look at the next thing on this list. That also scores it and gives you some sort of number. So you can see the numbers grow over the years, you know? So that's what we're using is um, an amalgamation of research and we created our own tool. Um, and then that is what we're using to help, um, see that the, that, and again, I, my school district has not officially adopted any sort of like, we're not using a specific language system, a first approach. You know what I mean? Right. I'm psyching, just measuring language, just measuring language for any approach you're using. This could be a tool or a way, but if you were going to implement a specific language system, first approach, this would also be a tool that you could use to mm -hmm measure it. If you started coaching, this could be a tool to like any interventions you put in place, you'd want to have some way to measure uh, the growth. And so that's what we're using. The continuum of language expression. I wrote that down. No. Yeah. That's, that would be great. Cause then you can, you know, like baseline, you know, the program, cause we're trying, you know, to start small and maybe roll it out in like one classroom. So if we completed that on a few of the students, that we think are, you know, going to possibly move on to high tech and need that high tech and then measure their growth with that. Yeah. Now, and language okay. sampling would be another thing. I want to make sure I yeah. mention that everyone, mm -hmm. any podcast, anyone listening, but Chris, you got to mention, like, I, I got it listeners. Thank you. <laughs> it your, yeah. I keep language samples as well, but the, the, the coal or something like it, you know, look uh -huh. what other, other tools are out there. Some people are using the DAG um, is another one out there, but, um, and we have epi actually episodes on it in the podcast. If you go look at a, up the word assessment on our podcast, mm -hmm. we've, we've talked to some of those, some of the people that have developed some of these tools. Point being, pick something, use it for individual learners, use it for whole schools, and then use it for your whole division to see are we in the same way we were talking about the are we seeing change in turnover? Are we seeing change in behavior? Are we seeing an uptick in language across the division? You know, right. and then, man. Couldn't we get even a bigger uptick if we had more funding, school board? <laughs> I mean, let me show you this data. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's too uh, interesting, too. I just wanted to say, so when the podcast that you recorded back in August, one of the things that we that was mentioned was, you know, including like a parent and the teacher, even, you know, what do they want to see the students communicate? And so when I asked her, I spoke with her yesterday and I asked her, and that was exactly what she had said to know what the child is frustrated about or emotional about or upset about, or if they're not feeling well, 
those kind of like functional communication skills that would probably, you know, decrease behaviors as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Let me ask back to the selection process here just for a second. Um, Do you have any particular app right now that is coming out most in the wash? Like if you listed every AAC user uh, and you put them in a Google sheet or an Excel spreadsheet, and then you listed what app they have next to it, does one come out as the clearer, like, you know, actually we about 75% is blah, 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 you know? Erica, do you want to answer that just kind of district wide? I mean, we've talked about it before. Erica might have to step away. I don't know. Oh, I, no. no, I'm here. I'm here. Um, I'm driving at this point in time now. Um, well, I guess uh, looking at it from two different angles, I would say the majority of apps that we have purchased have been uh, pro local. And and then we do have um, some lamp as well. Those those would be the two biggest. And Bernie can chime in too because she's she's always usually the one who is um, uh, our assistive technology contact who gets those apps loaded on the iPads. But those are the two that pop out to me as as the biggest um, two requested that we have purchased. Yes, yeah, that is that is correct. Um, it we did a training. It's been quite a few years ago with LAMP and we had purchased some licenses and then ProLoquo seemed to be the most requested um, after that. But other than that, we I know there's one speech therapist that has touch chat, but she went on her own to, to do that uh, for a child. And other than that, you know, there's really not a lot of just just besides unique learning and symbol sticks. Okay. So just let me summarize here. It sounds like you're not too far along with any one particular system, because I think the two different ways that districts are sort of deciding if they are going to adopt an approach like this or move forward with this, it's either let's get a committee together and pick something. Let's put some, um, some questions out on the table and make a decision or man, we're so far along. We've got 80% of our people are already using this. So let's just go deeper dive with this, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, uh, of course, assuming that everyone's feeling like there's uh that's still a rational, you know, that, that, that tool is working, you know? Right. Right. Well, I appreciate all of your input. You've taught me a lot and I have a really different uh, view on some things. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the open mind and the open discussion because this is how we grow, right? It's professional conversations mm-hmm. like this, me mm-hmm. and you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I've got, uh, Bernadette, are you leaving? You, you got to go. I see you. Oh, no, I just, I stopped my car. So I thought I'd okay. show you my <laughs> I to Florida somewhere. I am going to the conference. Um, is there any other questions before we sign off is there any other or or summaries or takeaways or what are your thoughts i think that was kind of it that we had discussed yesterday yesterday we kind of met and 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 shared some questions um that was kind of it chris i think the other thing just all of us as a whole i mean i think every one of us one we want what's best for the kids and two we want to do it right and so that i think sometimes paralyzes us from taking that next step. And I think we just have to say, you know what, it's not going to be perfect. Regardless, we can shift and make do, but we've got to kind of start somewhere or we're just going to be sitting and waiting for perfection before we do anything. So I'm excited about the potential. And I I think no matter what we pick, we're not going to, it's kind of going back on that what you had said it doesn't matter which one it's the matter of focusing modeling and teaching the kids and then moving forward how they need it mm-hmm. yeah and, and i i appreciate and i love working with all the therapists and i, I think I keep looking at it from my teacher point of view, and that is with anything that you teach, you know, you want to have that core curriculum, you know, for mathematics, for English language arts, we adopt a textbook that everyone starts out, you you know, uses to teach those standards. And I, I don't think you can differentiate until you have a, a core textbook. So in this case, that 
that AAC application, I think we need a core program. And then and then it'll be easier for us all to differentiate and grow with different children that then need uh, a different system or a more advanced system. Yes. Certainly makes sense to me, Erica. Certainly makes sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you're making this selection process here, one activity that I think might be really fun for whoever the committee is, if it's just you or if you're, like you said, you're inviting other people, parents or other stakeholders here, is um, an activity our team just recently did is uh, we pulled up a Google Sheet. And in the first column of the Google Sheet, we said, uh, Christina, come up with a four-word sentence, and it has the word I-N-G in it. Joy, you come up with a three-word sentence most kids say uh, in first grade. Make sure it has ED in it. Uh, Bernadette, you come up with a two-word phrase that um, that we hear all the time in every classroom. Uh, Erica, you come up with a crazy five-word, almost never ever hear it, right? Put that all in the first column. Now, in the next column, we're going to put lamp words for life. And in the next column, we're going to put prolo quo at 60 cells or 80 cells or whatever the whatever the, the two. And then we're going to have touch chat at uh, the, at a similar cell size. And then we're going to have the next system. And we're, we're going to pie, we're going to make sure we have access to the, the the full version of each one of these apps. And now let's 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 do it. Let's let's actually say this sentence and count how many hits and look at the grammar because again. Somewhere down the line, we're thinking kids are going to learn the grammar. And actually, the, uh, a lot of research shows that, um, Christina, look at Brown's grammatical morphemes. Mm -hmm. yeah. I-N-G is the first morpheme, before on, before yeah. in, right? So these are, we want to yeah. be able to, to model these early. Um, so, so, okay, which ones, which one was easiest to find? Which one has the most hits? Which one has the most complex communication or most complex motor plan? That I think will help you really reveal like, mm, okay, you know, uh, this one was really hard. <laughs> this one was really easy. This one took like nine hits. This one didn't even have that word. I had to add that word in, you know, like that will open up a lot of dialogue, I think, for you and for the other stakeholders. It was really eye-opening for for our, and we've been working in a system that was just my, the team that I work with of, of facilitators. We we were having a lot of great conversations just around that one activity. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's a great idea. Yeah. Well, have fun. That's, 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 that's what Carly said. Mom, have them use the device and let them talk with it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just what Chris and see how easy or how hard it is for them to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. If there's anything right. else, you, uh, I'm sure what will happen is you will go back, you'll have your own conversations, and you'll be like, oh, we should ask Chris, or oh, this doesn't need to be the end. Always feel like to reach out to me. Always happy to help and brainstorm more. And please, uh, a year, two years, wherever you are down the line, um, come back and tell us how it's going. Like, Chris, we got some updates, you know, whatever time, you know, uh, we'd love to hear back, you know, so often on the podcast, we, we get one time shot, you know, and people bring them back years later could really, we've been doing the podcast for over five years now. So we can really have some uh, longitudinal studies going on through the podcast. So if you're, if you're up for that, we would love to have you. We'd love that. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Well, thank you. You um, just the fact that you are having these conversations and and that you are is just as uh, it's inspiring to me. You know, like anyone else, sometimes I get in the doldrums. You know, so hearing that they're that you're doing this sort of good work is um, it's really it really fills my cup. So thank you. Thanks, Chris, thank for meeting with us. Thank that was you. super helpful. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Bye bye now. Bye. Bye. bye.